1: This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
2: How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm... Easy, you go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com.
3: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
4: Welcome back to all of you faithful patrons of the Shea Bippy Bar. Welcome to your first edition in 2020 of the Shea Bippy Mob Pod, a podcast you can't refuse. I am Mike DeBate, your co host of Shea Bippy. And of course, joining me as always, he is the owner, the proprietor of Shea Bippy. He is the sonny to my Jimmy Whispers. My good friend Thomas Murphy once again joins me on the other side of the microphone. Worf, welcome back to the bar.
5: Oh, dude, it's been too long. It's been too long since we sat down and freaking had a drink and just talked some good movies. And we got a good one today, don't we?
4: We absolutely do. Uh, One of the finest, one of the most misunderstood in the genre. And I'm going to explain a little bit what I mean by that. But uh, obviously, we are talking about the 1974 classic by Sergio Leone entitled Once Upon a Time in America. And obviously... Launch really, I don't want to say it was the launch of the springboard of a lot of different careers, but you take a look back and it really was the crown jewel, the early crown jewel of actors such as Robert De Niro, James Woods, Joe Pesci, Danny Aiello, Elizabeth McGovern, just to name a few. I think this is really a, a, a very a seminal movie when it comes to the genre and one that I think has only grown in its. I guess the best way for me to put it is I think it's grown in its reputation uh, over the years because, ironically, Murph, this wasn't one that was well-received by the critics when it first came out.
5: No, it really wasn't, and um, you you can only blame the studio for that. Um, When uh, I hated this movie the first time I saw it, I was really looking forward to it, and I went there, and I hated it, couldn't stand it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I did was they took a, a... director's Magnum Opus and turned it into a short film. Um they the movie is is set during uh Prohibition right. and it centers around four young friends who are, you know, just happen to be thugs and hooligans <laughs> 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 from from a small Jewish neighborhood in New York. And it, it was it was supposed to be something that that audiences in America didn't get to see. It was it was at the time it was supposed the the runtime, I think, was three hours and 45 minutes. Yep. And um, the studios didn't think that uh, Americans could sit through a movie that long. And uh, so they cut it down by well over an hour, didn't they?
4: Yeah, they actually cut it down to about a two-hour uh, runtime when this originally came out. And yeah. Treat Williams is one of the actors that I didn't mention early on in terms of springboarding. Uh, you want to talk about springboarding of careers. Uh, Treat, obviously, was, uh, was in go. this movie. And when he found out that the original, it was actually three hours and 49 minutes was the original cut, they cut it down to a two-hour version, and Treat was very vocal at the time and said, no one's going to understand the point of this movie when you and cut it didn't. down so much. It doesn't yep. give you the opportunity to understand it in the shortened version. And as a result, the film didn't do well at theaters. We, we you know, we talked about that. It was shut out of the Oscars. It received no nominations, which I think is yep. a real travesty. When you take a look at the individual performances in this movie, really, I, I think you're surprised when you see it. And that was one of the things that stood out to me when I went back and I rewatched this movie is, how could nobody in this movie have been nominated for an Oscar? And then you right. think about what the studio did to it, and it makes perfect sense. But when the video cassette and the DVD versions were released, and the original three-hour and 49-minute version, which I assume in preparations is the version that you watched coming into mm-hmm. uh, to talk about this today, that was the version that ultimately found the commercial success, the critical success, and really what the movie was intended to be. So I think in a lot of ways, this was a tale of, of two... Uh, um, two movies and that's why i alluded to this being the most misunderstood of the genre because right. it started out as being a movie that it was actually so killed it and
5: it did it actually it killed, killed it, it for a did. long time for it a long did. time you didn't see another you didn't see another good mob movie until Goodfellas. yeah you know it, it was it was it was awful what they did to the entire genre this movie was supposed to be set through a scene of flashbacks and and um and uh, uh, was it drug induced hallu delu- delusion uh, illusions? Delusion, yeah, uh, delu- delusions. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, and you didn't get that in the American release, it opened up completely differently. Um, you we we got uh, it was it was set chronologically, um, and, and and it was terrible, even though I love every child actor in this film. The child the the kids who played the parts of Noodles and Max and Deborah right. were all fantastic, you know. Um uh Cock-Eye, uh all those they they were just they were fantastic young actors. And um nobody ever got to really appreciate that until later on when we all sat down with the, that oh man, that big two two um they called it a box set back then. <laughs> the the two part uh, cassette, you know, that you had to get up and go put in into the VCR and change it over. And we didn't appreciate it, and I didn't appreciate get to appreciate it until that very point. But no, like you said, it, it really it, it launched a lot of people's careers. I this was the first movie I, I remember seeing Joe Pesci in. And, yes. Uh... Um, I'm not sure if it was his first or not. Um, Michael probably know th- know better than that because he's he's the brains here. I'm just you know the eye candy, you know, kind of like Jennifer <laughs> Connelly, uh, Tuesday <laughs> Weld. Um, but yeah, no, 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 no. We this movie was never fully appreciated until you got to see it the way the rest of the world did. And I, I I'm ashamed to say that I don't know if it got any awards anywhere, but it, it was completely shut out here in the United States simply because the studio was stupid
4: yeah exactly i think you know not knowing how to market and not knowing how to maximize the return on a movie like this really hurt uh once upon a time in america and it hurt it for a good long time and you were absolutely right when you said that murph it almost killed the picture you know it really did thankfully you know with the release of Videotape and the release of DVDs. And, you know, the kids today will never understand. Murph and I go back long enough to remember that double box set that he was talking about, mm-hmm. the two cassettes. And that up here, you know, we're both, you know, natives of the Northeast. That was what was called have a snowy my, Day yep. movie.
5: Yeah, Absolutely. Still have my In, Godfathers, my house, yeah. still had this and um, Absolutely. you know because yeah, I just Godfather I can't part, throw them yeah. away <laughs> I,
4: it's true I can't either I still have The Godfather Part 3 that had the two gold color tapes and I remember oh, that I thought that was so cool yeah. when I was a kid seeing yeah. that and the tapes were the, the tapes were in that gold plastic color um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's almost like you know wow this is really this is so far above you know but uh, no this is again this was we grew up in the northeast this was what was called one of those snowy afternoon type movies yep. where you threw it in and it, it occupied you for at least two three four hours however long you wanted to watch and Again, for those of you that don't know, we'll, you know, obviously we'll get into the nuts and bolts of the movie. Just a little background. The film is largely based on Harry Gray, who was a gangster. Uh, that's a semi-autobiographic novel called The Hoods. But it does mm-hmm. draw some inspiration from two other literary sources as well. And that's Jack London's novel, Martin Eden. That's about a man who becomes disillusioned in his own world. That book actually does appear in the film. So if you recognize that title or you recognize seeing that, it is in the film. And also loosely based on F. Scott Fitzgerald's novel *The Great Gatsby*, and then that really is about a man of wealth and power, and who really aspires to that wealth and power to try to convince himself that he's worthy of the woman that he loves. And it's a very mm-hmm. good parallel, I think, in a lot of ways to this. I think there are there are a lot of Gatsbyan type of uh, uh, alliterations that you see throughout the film as well. Um, you know I'm all about tidbits, and I'm going to give you a tidbit. I'm going to give you a first little tidbit on this, which I thought oh, was really, it. really interesting. Uh, the role of Max, obviously the adult role of Max is played by James Woods, who also happens to hail from the same state that I do in Rhode Island. James is yeah. very much the toast of the town in Warwick, Rhode Island, and he's still very much beloved. Great actor. And um, he was not the original choice for uh, uh, for Max in this film. Uh, no. When I tell you who was, when I tell you who was, you're probably gonna raise an eyebrow figuratively and literally, probably in his honor. But uh you're also gonna sit there and say, you know what, I can see it, but there's some aspects of it where you're just looking and saying, you know what, I think it ended up being the right, uh, the right move. And um it was actually offered to John Belushi, believe it or not. Um this was he was it was written with him in mind. It was written with him uh as the the catalyst for this and uh, unfortunately, he passed away before auditions began on this film. So it was, I think, a different, uh, you know, would have been a very different role for him. It would have been a very mm-hmm. different uh, type movie uh, for John Belushi. And uh, by all accounts, toward the end of his, his you know, brief life, he was trying to, broaden his horizons as right. an actor. He didn't want to just be pigeonholed into, you know, the drunken, you know, bluto type characters that he had played mm-hmm. in Animal House or The Blues Brothers. He wanted to branch out from what he had done with Saturday Night Live. Yep.
5: And he had just this could done, have been... he had just done Continental Divide. Absolutely. And, uh, and that great movie if if any of you, yeah. you know, just to jump off the genre for a second. No, great movie, go check that one out. But um no, that yeah. that's amazing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I could definitely see him being max being that that insane individual and um <clears throat> i told mike something off air that that we were going to jump into today that was was going to be a good topic that you know that i had a real issue watching this movie again um now i'm going to preface this by s- stating that i have been a republican my entire life <laughs> <laughs> my entire life. Um, and, uh, my, my father was, was actually a, um, a, uh, a secret service agent who, who, um, who guarded Nixon. And, mm. uh, it was, you know, it, uh, so believe me, I mean, when, when my father passed away, Richard Nixon wrote a letter to my mother, you know, um, uh, praising, I, 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 I could not get past and, 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 I'm sorry folks if I'm going to lose followers or listeners over this. I hate Robert James Woods. I can't stand James Woods. I can't. He he actually has me blocked on Twitter <laughs> because of something that I said to him once. And um I had a really difficult time enjoying this movie uh this time around watching it. I had not watched this film in a very long time. And do you ever do that? Do you ever is there ever an actor that you just do not like and it completely changes your opinion of a film?
4: Oh, I think it's human nature. I think there's absolutely cases like that. I don't recall having a a dislike for an actor early on and watching the movie and having Mm -hmm. that change your opinion but I will say this. I mean, there were times where in the aftermath of learning what we learned about somebody like Bill Cosby and watching mm-hmm. just a rerun of the Cosby show. Right. Now, I can't watch the show any longer. No. It just, no. it really, it bothers me. And and this yeah, is a show I, that I grew up loving. I mean, he was America's dad. You watch yep. him talk to Theo and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is great. I love watching this. I can't do it yeah. anymore.
5: Uh, there are some... There's his films subtle, too. I, I'll, I'll never exactly. watch. I'll never watch one of his. And I loved his movies growing up. Some of the best black exploitation flicks that ever came around were with yeah. him and Sidney Poitier. And and no, I can't watch them either. That's it. it sucks. It sucks.
4: Absolutely. <laughs> it does. It really, really does. In a lot of respects, uh, I always thought the highest of Kevin Spacey when it came to his acting ability. And I thought Mm -hmm. he was brilliant in so many films. uh, His versatility, his ability to play a character that was despicable or his ability to play a character that you really liked. I have trouble seeing him in a different light now in terms of what yeah. we've heard about him and the Me Too movement and some of the difficult, yep. uh, you know, things that we've heard about his behavior and how he's treated people and then things of that nature. Even when you think about just movies that have been produced by Harvey Weinstein and seeing the, uh, the you know, the, the, the actors and yep. whatnot that are portraying this, I have a difficult time with those too. So, no, I don't think
5: you're way off. And, base and on, on the that. other, I on the other side, body I have judgment. not watched Captain Marvel. Yeah, I I have not watched <laughs> me. I have not watched a superhero movie simply because of the 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 narrative from its star and, and the way she came this movie isn't made for you. You're a forty year old man and blah, blah, blah. well, okay then you won't get my money. And um, yeah. but <laughs> but no, absolutely. Here, no. here we go. We're off the rails. Dave Brown isn't even here, and we're off the rails. What the fuck?
4: No, you know what? I think like, and I think Dave would join us in this, and I think he'd revel in some of the because I think in ways of enjoying a movie, a lot of times it's not just about taking you through the step-by-step process. Because if you're tuning into Shea Ippy like you usually do, chances are, and I'm sure that, that there are you know people that. Tuned in, thinking about seeing this and saying, "Okay, well, should I see this movie? Well, let me check out and see what Mike and Murph have to offer, and I'll, that'll make my decision." But if you're tuning into Shea Pippy, it's most likely that you've seen the movie that we're chronicling because mm-hmm. it gives a reaction, or you've seen it and you want to hear our thoughts and you want to see if, if we share some of the same experiences that you have as well. I think and we've only done like one flick that's so... live in 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 theaters. <laughs>
5: Absolutely, <laughs> or on, or and that's streaming, our most so. recent.
4: Yeah, that's that's our most recent. Which thank you so much for our uh, to our listeners, by the way. I've gotten some great pieces of feedback on that right. show. We enjoyed doing that with Steve, Murph, and I. Are going to open up the bar to a few more guests here in 2020 and start to uh, you know be a little bit more open to uh, to the bar. Not that open. That's a very select no, guest that here at the Shape yeah, yeah,
5: But it, uh, it,
4: you know, we it's we a, it's have, a private
5: uh, club. It's a club. It
4: is. It's a private you know? club. And we invite absolutely. you
5: all in, but you know. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely, we invite all of our listeners
4: in, but uh, very few get a chance to actually share the stools here at the at the Bippy Bar. But uh, capos in only. any case. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: capos only. Absolutely, you got that. Uh, I have that badge of honor actually in my Twitter bio that I'm a capo regime for the shape Bippy mob
5: bar. So you, you know, I, I
4: I consider that a very very high honor, my friend.
5: Consulier is way out it, front.
4: That's right. They wait out front. You have to. That's right. Now you, you have you got to keep him waiting that in you a have,
5: lobby. You do. I got.
4: he's got be waiting in a lobby. Oh, man. <laughs> and we will be doing that one, folks. You have no yes. worries on that. Soon, Godfather Part Two will be done. It will be tackled here on Shape Be in 2020. But uh, anyway, getting back to our original point, I think discussions like this are good. I think they they give you a different perspective, and it lets people see. Um, maybe in a different way, how we see movies. But to answer your question, your original question, no, I don't think that's that odd at all. That's happened to me several times. I'm sure it's happened to all of our listeners, where you are clouded by a director's uh, point of view. You're clouded by your opinion of a certain actor. That's why in so many cases, I recommend, if it's a, it's a, a great movie based on a novel or based on a book, if you mm-hmm. have the time, I always recommend checking that out because it gives you the opportunity to experience these types of adventures, these types of stories for yourself. And then you yep. can see if your personality, if your personal view coincides with what the director or the actor were trying to do in that case. It's There's a lot of cases where mine has matched it, and there's a lot of cases where I think it's been a lot different. So, no, good uh, good. Piece of a uh, tidbit. Um, you know, again, I don't uh, know if that necessarily endears you to the Rhode Island crowd, but uh, I can definitely see it when it comes to uh, your opinion <laughs> on James Woods. And uh, you know what? Everybody's opinion is everybody's opinion. So yeah, that's a I'll, I'll
5: be checking over my shoulder next time I'm at the zoo. That's for sure. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
4: Well, you know what? You probably, you do have some people that are like-minded here in, in Rhode Island as well. I guarantee you it's he's, yeah. he's a polarizing figure, James Woods. So I can definitely yeah. uh, see yeah.
5: where i I'm sorry, folks. That. I just, uh, you know, I had to bring it up. I had to bring <laughs> it up. The, the fact that, you know, there are reasons where you may not enjoy a movie. And this is a movie that I grew up loving. Um, right. Not grew up loving. I, I, was, I was in my late teens when I saw it um, on... Uh, on cassette for the first time when I saw it in the way that it was supposed to be, and not the chronological order that they screwed this up with, and and that's that's really what happened with with the American release. They, they did it completely chronologically. You you had no idea what was going on. You had no idea who some of the characters were. So make sure when you do see this movie that it is. Um, uh, the original not the original american release but the original european release the the long right. version you want the long version and right now folks you can actually see this movie on uh tcm on on demand for free on demand and, yep absolutely yep, on demand for free Which is where and, we both and, checked it out That's and it's, it's yeah it. it's you know no commercial cuts in it whatsoever And uh, it it was it was, you know, just getting past, you know, what we were just talking about. It is a fantastic film and um, it has to be, in in my estimation, one of the most graphically violent movies ever. Um, Usually when when you see uh, a gangster film, there are redeeming qualities in um, in everyone. And and in this film, there there really isn't much of that. De Niro as noodles has some redeeming qualities, but even when you're introduced to him, you know, he's somebody that doesn't know how to interact with people. The first time you see him, he's, he's peeping on Jennifer Conley, um, who plays Deborah in the movie as she's practicing dancing and he's, He's watching her through a peephole because he just doesn't know how to interact with her. Um, James Woods the, is, is basically the same way. Um, it, it's it's to say, the, These are young kids that, that were immigrants to America and only knew one way to, um, to get ahead. And there was absolutely well, yeah. I mean, Fat Mo, you could you could find you you like Fat Mo, but but other than that, you know, when when you got past these cute little kids, they were they were were um, uh, what what's the word I'm looking for, Michael? They they were delinquents from yeah. the get-go and um that's all they were through their entire lives there there was no usually in a film like this there there's an arc and some kind of redemption something that you want to see um th- a reason that you like somebody. There's a reason you liked Henry Hill. There was a re I mean, I didn't stop liking Henry Hill till the end of the movie when he read it on everybody. But in this, this film, you really, there's nothing to grasp a hold of to say that, yes, I like these people. A lot of the time. So like you say, with, with, with the Godfather, with, with Pacino and the Godfather, by the time the the second and third movies roll around, they're, Michael is trying to legitimize the family. He's trying to move away from the streets. These guys never wanted to move away from the streets, ever.
4: Absolutely. it's so well said. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is, I think, one of the key messages in a movie like this. And if you haven't seen it, you have to know that going in. There aren't a lot of redeemable qualities in these characters. These guys are bad guys. They're just... It's the way it is. It's the story that's told. It's one of the first in this genre that I think really captured people. And we've talked about this several times, even when we talked about movies like Eastern promises and we talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, movies like that where it was just, I think it was a lot of, of, Plus. it just it was the way that things were and they realized in that world that nothing was going to change where the godfather and even to a, a little bit of uh, uh you know aspects of you know goodfellas or casino or things like that there's a little bit of romanticizing when it comes to the type of lifestyle that they right. lead and the type of you know redeemable qualities and casino is a movie we haven't done here yet on shape if we will but sam rothstein you know always had that that asp- that aspiration to be something. He wanted more to go than- to Vegas to be legitimate.
5: You know, exactly. he wanted These to guys- be the guy at the at the country club. These guys Absolutely. never wanted to be at the country club. These guys wanted yeah. to be in the streets. They wanted to be dirty. Right. One of the things that I that even even with the the, the runtime of this movie was the fact that um Robert De Niro plays Noodles in the David in this movie. Uh, he he goes to prison. Uh, he goes to prison for killing a, another street thug by the name of Bugsy,
4: Bugsy uh, after yep.
5: Bugsy had shot down his young friend noodles. I slipped. And, um, <laughs> and it, it was, it was uh when he came out, um, James Woods was, was there waiting for him. And it, it, it's, it has to be 20 years later. His friend Max is waiting for him and you don't see how, they became who they who they were because they they had already been successful um they were a, a successful gang that that started out as young street urchins and now owned a speakeasy and you know they but they were still criminals they but there was still always another um heist to pull off there was still always something else to to do on the criminal side um, and you didn't see how, one, you didn't see how they got there. Um, and two, it, it was, it was, but it, it reinforced the fact that these guys are criminals. They're, they're lifelong criminals. And Noodles right. knew the second that he walked into that speakeasy that his life was going to be exactly the same.
4: Without question. And that actually leads me into a question that I wanted to ask you because a lot of
5: what we do when we watch these
4: films is try to get a feel for the plot and we try to get a feel mm-hmm. for advancing the plot. But one thing that I noticed that I thought Leone did so well was characterizing these guys, putting them into that world, and essentially allowing that world to kind of take on a life of its own. When you watch this film, when you watch it, I should say for the second time, because this was, this was uh, you know a movie that in its entirety, this is only the second time I've seen this all the way through from start to oh, finish.
5: Wow. I've okay. been able
4: to you know, watch things you know, uh, you know, back and forth, but I did watch it in one seating uh, quite a while back, and then again, uh, an uninterrupted seating in anticipation of, of today. When you look at the intercut, that Leon brought. A lot of people compare it to The Godfather, and I think that, well, mm-hmm. the Part Two, I should say. And I think that's a little bit unfair because I think some people try to say that oh, Leon tried to steal from what The Godfather Part Two did and whatnot. And I, I don't see that at all. I think this was absolutely um, key to uh, to this movie. But yep. do you think the intercut added a another dimension to these characters in terms of the so when we've talked about the evilness of these characters and how there's really not a whole lot of redeeming qualities do you think that took it up a level or do you think that the uh, the intercut that uh, that Leon kind of put forth in this film did maybe less to advance some of the more minor characters that we didn't get a chance to see flushed out. Notably, the character of Frankie, who's played by Joe Pesci. We talked a little bit offline about this being Pesci's uh, first film. It actually Mm -hmm. was not his first film, but it was his first major role alongside of a guy like De Niro. So, uh, to me, I think uh, uh, originally in the script, the Frankie character, which is one of the reasons why Pesci had uh, chosen this character, uh, was because he thought it was going to be longer. In the original script, there was a lot more uh, that to this character, and we didn't end up seeing nearly half of what right. his character was supposed to be. Do you think that intercut maybe cut away a little bit from some of uh, the character development we could have seen in some of the minor characters?
5: Um, possibly, you know, but also, I think what Leone wanted to do was what we were just talking about how how you didn't see many redeeming factors in any of these people there was there was nothing really likable about them as adults, but when you intercut with the stuff that was going on with them as children, and you saw what, what was going on and some of the reasons that they made the decisions that they made, the reasons that that noodles was in prison. Um, the fact that you know it was all about the four of them, um, it, the the five of them, and um, it, it it was, it was, I I think it was it was needed, and I think it 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 showed in the American cut where everything was chronological why it mm-hmm. failed, right, absolutely because you and- didn't get to go back and see you know, another flashback or another, you know, drug-induced delusion, and it, it was, it was, you, you needed it. it, it had to be there, no, I, I don't, I don't look at it as a, as a rip-off at, at all, at all.
4: Good, and I'm glad that you said that, because I didn't either, and anyone that knows me, that's followed me, or listened to any, you know, shows that I've done here on Shea Bippy or anywhere else, knows the affinity I hold for the Godfather trilogy, right. especially the first two movies, and in the second, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen where they have the Godfather saga, where they do show the chronological version. And it's a fun watch. It's nice because it gives you the the story from start to finish. But to me, I don't think it's ever, ever approached what the original cut of The Godfather Part Two does with the intercutting and showing the different type of styles between Vito and Michael. I think in this film, it shows... The origins so well of you know characters like Max and like Noodle and and you know and the uh, the, yeah, the difficulties Deborah that they you know had. even Deborah absolutely and
5: you know. showing
4: them from a young age to a uh, to an older age and and not really filling in. Despite all the time they had to fill in the gaps, they didn't quite fill in all the gaps. And I think to me, that's one of the brilliant right. parts of this film. Even even where, where
5: Treat Williams came from, who played James Conway, and and that whole you know, it, in in the in the American release, you, you didn't know, you you had no idea. It, it was it was you sat there with such a what the fuck look on your face the entire time that you saw the movie. And when you saw it the second time, oh, that's it! Oh, that's where Carol came from. You know, she wasn't just yep. some some chick that that, uh, that Max was screaming at to get out when they were when they were planning another heist. That you know, it was it, it, it was it was so needed and it was so well done. No, I, I'm right there with you, bud.
4: Absolutely. And and again, and I think that that's something that uh, really I think lends itself into the way the plot line is developed. You mentioned yeah. that this story takes place during Prohibition. Well, the gang had difficulty, financial difficulty, after the repeal of Prohibition. So what did they do? You see the origins of organized crime then going from Prohibition and moving into the Teamsters Union. And, of course, the movie that we just chronicled last month here on Shape F. E. The Irishman, that was a big part of that. The Teamsters, Jimmy Hoffa, all that, you know, the, the mob connection with, uh, with this type of business. I think this alluded to it. It never showed it. Overtly, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say it did. There were a lot of scenes that did, you know, overtly show that and the relationship and of course the Bailey Corporation and everything that, that comes down from there. But I think in a lot of ways, it built toward that and it told the story without ever really having to put it in your face. And that to me is what Leon did so well in this film. And if you don't see the original cut, the three hour and 49 minute cut, which I did see, I said that this was only the second time I had sat through the entire movie. I did Mm -hmm. see the original cut because they do show that on TV every now and then. I don't know if they do it anymore, but they they used to show that a lot. And this was never one of my favorite movies. It really wasn't. It was always one that I kind of, Uh, always shunned to the side. And as much as I I have such a a like for Robert De Niro as an actor, he's one of my favorites of all time and this had such a Mm -hmm. great cast. It was never a movie that I could get into, but the three hour and 49 minute version with the cuts and with the ability to advance the plot makes you appreciate this movie so much more. And that was one of the things that I thought he did so well was use historical elements in the movie to advance his storyline and yep. to me that's the mark of a great film the few that we've done uh in the uh, the past that do have a basis in historical settings uh to me i think that means the world to it and we saw scorsese do it in the irishman we've seen Coppola couple that do it in the godfather uh we've seen you know the historical elements in goodfellas and and, and casino and movies like that but uh, to me, I think that that really uh, was a key part, and and why this movie is so beloved now, uh, much more than it was when it came out.
5: Right, and 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 now that everybody has, um, giant 4G fricking televisions in their living room for the most part, you can mm-hmm. really appreciate what Leone did cinematographically with with Thank this. You. With this movie it is one of the most beautifully shot movies that I have ever seen in my life Um, whether it was um, whether you're looking at a at at a street scene at uh, the turn of the century or uh, a shot of the Brooklyn Bridge it, it is it is just fantastic from beginning to end you just sit there in awe and look at this film and how it was shot and say this is the way movies should be made.
4: Absolutely. This is one of those few movies that I've seen, and considering its length, this is quite an accomplishment, folks, where still shots of this movie can be taken at any time and it's a masterpiece. It may not always be easy to look at. Murph has alluded to Mm -hmm. it. If you're squeamish or you're a little bit, uh, you don't have a real... uh, you know, stomach to be able to handle any type of like violent scenes there's rape depicted in this movie I mean yep. there's, there's a lot going on folks this is this so is,
5: this is the most misogynistic film that that I have ever seen in yeah. the the mob genre it, it really Absolutely. is it really is there it, women were 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 just sex objects they had they had nothing to add to this movie with the exception of Deborah um and that was only because you know max and David both Noodles both loved her and uh, she brought something to it, but you know, Tuesday Wells brought nothing to this. Um, It it was, it was, it was just, it was vile. Um, Eve who played Noodles' girlfriend, who um, after one scene where, where Noodles, he he tries to do something for Deborah. He he takes her out to dinner and he, he, she wanted to go to a place on the shore and he, completely rented out the entire restaurant and set it up for, you know, every table in the entire place was set up for two people, a completely romantic scene, a nice romantic scene, walk on the beach. And it ended in a rape because that that's who these, these men are. They, they, they were all men who just, their entire lives took what they wanted without any consequence whatsoever
4: right so I, absolutely you know
5: it, it, it's it's a difficult movie just circling back to what what mike was talking it is a very difficult movie to see and i am somebody who has never been really comfortable seeing those those uh types of and that was one of the reasons that it was a little difficult for me you know being a father of a daughter to to watch these things um tuesday weld was was who plays carol was raped in her initial scene and it was it was It was <laughs> a very
4: rapey movie, was. and I mean to add insult to injury in a situation like that. Murph alluded to it about uh, you know the uh, the uh, about uh, Deborah's uh, uh, you know rape But that came on the heels of a marriage proposal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know you you think about it. I mean you know Noodles proposed marriage to her, she declined it, and that was it. It was like well okay, well that, you know I'm just going to take Give what, me what, what anyway. I want anyway. I'm going to get exactly. what I want
5: anyway. You know, absolutely. look at what I just did for you. You know, definitely. Now, now definitely. it's time for you to give me what I want. And, uh, he'd waited, you know, 30 years for it and he wasn't going to wait anymore. So he took it. Right. And, uh, Absolutely. and, and that, that's it. I mean, it just, in the end of at, at the end, you know, these guys are who they are and they are a bunch of vile, disgusting individuals. And, and, you know, it even goes to the, the fact that, you know, James Woods, it, it, At the the climax, I'm really Mike is sitting there with his perfect notes written out, guys, and he's just motherfucking me because I, I wanted to do that in 10 minutes and I wanted to do that then. And here's Murph going off on a rant. But, um, no,
4: I think, you... actually, you know what? We are going off the rails a little bit here, folks. And I think that a movie like this that's so long, that has so many mm-hmm. plot intricacies, to outline the plot and advance the plot like we usually do here on Shade Bippy was really not the way I wanted to attack this movie at all. The organic kind of discussion that we're having, I think, lends itself into this movie much, much better. So okay. by all means, when things come up, let let it fly because I think that's mm. the best way to tackle it, and I
5: think our listeners will appreciate. Otherwise, it Otherwise, we well. could be here for three hours, and we don't Absolutely. want to do that Absolutely, and we people. have done that before. <laughs> we have, <laughs> we have done that before. But no, even even in the climactic scene, most of you have seen this movie before. But it, it it turns out that you know Robert De Niro is lives most of his adult life alone and with regret because he thought that he set up his his friends. And uh, to try to save their lives. And that didn't happen. And it turned out that it was Max that was the mastermind behind the entire setup because he was trying to get rid of everybody else. So he could have all the money. So he could have Deborah. So he could turn into Mr. Bailey.
4: Absolutely. And yeah, and that's that's there's the vaulting ambition that I we like to talk about here, right. uh, which is a okay. phrase that uh, I should really trademark my friend. I think that's pretty good. I, I like to think mm. about that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> vaulting yeah. ambition is really I think that's such a key point in all movies in this genre is these guys aspire to be something that they're you know, that that they're never going to achieve. And In a way, this movie, I think, does the best justice in terms of the realism. Like you've said, this is that they wanted to remain in the streets. They wanted to remain, uh, you know, part of this underworld. But with the exception of Max,
5: I'm sorry. Exactly. I stepped on myself.
4: Yeah. No, 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 no. I think that's that's a good point, because ultimately, Max didn't care how he got there. He was content to live in the trenches his entire life, but it didn't Mm -hmm. mean he didn't want the fame and fortune. And the Blitzen Absolutely.
5: Yeah, and hence the reason that he was being brought down and investigated at the time. And, and you right. know, it's, so, yeah, no, go ahead.
4: No, absolutely. I think that's, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It doesn't mean they didn't want the fame and fortune. It doesn't mean they didn't want the glitz and glamour. They wanted all the spoils this life had to give. They realized mm-hmm. that this was the way, this was the best way for them to be able to get it. But... You know, Woods Woods wanted the uh, you know, he wanted to, to quote Joey Zaza from *The Godfather* Part uh, Three. He wanted the little pin from the Pope, not well, not yep, literally, little, folks. Yep, not
5: there, case, there you go. I want a did. little pin from you know, the Pope.
4: That's it. Exactly. He wanted that. Uh, he he wanted that type of validation.
5: So, you know, he I he wanted think to in a walk into ways, the White House, and you know, just a little different thing. You know, it, it, it was absolutely it was, wow. Yeah, this yeah. this movie just hits on so much, and it is. It is such a long film. And as we're saying here, you know, you you still what makes it a great movie is the fact that it was so long and you still wanted more. So, I mean, if you if you're sitting there complaining about the run length of of the Irishman, this probably this movie probably isn't for you. But uh, (laughs) if you had no problem with it whatsoever, make a huge bowl of popcorn. Hope for a a snowstorm. Sit down and and watch this flick because it, it is amazing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It, it really, it, it truly, truly is. One of the things that struck me, uh, there's a lot that struck me about this movie, but one of the things I really wanted to discuss with you today, buddy, was the alliteration of the opening scene being the closing scene as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and maybe uh, maybe we're, we're going a little, uh, you know, off, but I, I think it's a good point. And I think it lends itself in well to the discussion to be able to bring this up now. Last year we chronicled, Absolutely. Last year, we we chronicled um, Donnie Brasco, and Donnie Brasco opens with similar shots, similar types of scenes, where the camera is focused on Johnny Depp's eyes, and it it ends up you know concluding with almost that same shot. This is not quite that type of alliteration, but the movie opens with obviously we we really didn't get into the, the 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 nuts and bolts of the plot but it enters with you know the the uh, the, uh, the the chinese theater uh they're looking for you know these these guys are looking for someone and you know they're, they're, it ends with um you know the the murdering of eve and and that the money has been stolen so yep. in a lot of ways the movie closes with that same scene it opens in 1933 with noodles entering the opium den after his friend's death taking, taking the drug and then grinning ear to ear yep. i think in a lot of ways i think leone's purpose here is to show that the more things change the more things stay the same no matter what these guys ever went through nothing ever changed in their core yep. and we've talked about that right from the get-go on this and that's been a prevailing theme um i thought it was brilliant the way leone did this uh and I thought that really tied it all together. I thought that really yeah. made that the point in this movie and why this this movie is uh, has the longevity that it really has.
5: Yeah, it opened of, at the close. Yeah, it opened absolutely. at the close, and it was it was, you know, after all of this, after everything, he, he's still there, hiding out in, you know, with with an opium pipe in his mouth, um,
4: yep.
5: trying to somehow get away from this life. And that was really the only way that he could.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You have to take a break in terms of, uh, your reality and you use, you know, drugs to be, obviously he's using drugs to be able to do it, but, uh, it was inevitably, I think, and this is really the the question that I wanted to ask is what I saw really just more, get your thoughts on this, because what I saw was, yeah, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Um, but the fact that he couldn't get out of it. Do you really believe that Noodles ever wanted to, to exit? Because that final scene to me <clears throat> twinned something inside of me when I watched it to say that maybe there was a part of him that wanted to be something maybe different than what he was. I think at the end of the day, it wasn't. I think he was just looking for a temporary escape. And I think that's why you saw him grin when he took mm-hmm. you know the hit from the opium pipe. Um, but, W could there possibly be an interpretation there where he may have wanted something different and the drug was simply his way of getting that difference Or do you think he was just simply content to live out, you know, exactly as he is? No, he
5: I, I think, I think he might've wanted something different from a young age from the, you know, when, when, um, when Deborah, you know, w- was dancing and, and, and she got changed and uh, another, another, you know, Uncomfortable moment for for a dad seeing Jennifer Conley at the ripe old age of thirteen um, drop her dress. Uh, yeah. It was and and she's like, you know, well, why did you show me your tush? And she's like, to a roach, to a dirty yeah. little roach that climbs up the walls to to peek. Uh, that means nothing. I think that's stuck with Noodles forever. And yeah, I do think he wanted something different, but circumstance just did not let that happen. And his love for his friends, the only people that had been there for him his entire life, um, it d- did not let that happen. That, and Max was there when and he went to prison for these people, and, and you know Max was there when he got out, and all of his money was there when he got out. Everything was down in the company books. And, um, he, he just knew then that that was never going to happen. And that's when I think he, he went into escapism and, and there, and, and it was, it was a perfect way to open and, and close this movie.
4: Yeah, agreed. And I'm so glad that you brought that perspective because it does, it kind of validates a lot of the feelings that I've had, things that we've talked about here in terms of what the director's intentions were, what the audience is thinking when they're uh, when they're viewing that and being able to bring it and tie it all together. Again, like I said, I thought that was so brilliant in what uh, uh, Leone did here. Yeah, and, I agree. and again, one of the reasons why I think this movie has such a resonance uh, and a rebirth uh, when you watch the full cut I think you've alluded to this a little bit, my friend, but I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, save for, I think, the, uh, the the misogynism that we've spoken about earlier and the the length, maybe, uh, we saw The Irishman gain a lot of notoriety, and we saw it gain a lot of uh, critical acclaim in being a very mm-hmm. long movie. And not for anything, and I hope I'm not alienating any of our listeners here, but one of the knocks on this society is that no one has the attention span to sit through a longer than three <laughs> hour movie any longer. Right. And I don't say that. I really don't say that as anything negative, but we're bombarded by so much instant um, information. And sometimes it's difficult for me to do it. And I like to think of myself as someone that can sit through anything and enjoy a nice long movie. I find it yep. difficult to do at times because you're always you're looking at your phone. You want to know what's going on in the world. Things are happening. There's are breaking news, is breaking all the time. In your opinion, save for the fact that I don't believe the misogynism and some of the graphic nature of the way these things are depicted would ever be able to fly today. Could this movie be made today and succeed today if it was marketed in the right way?
5: Um, I believe so. I, I really do. Um, I, I believe that there is a, a niche audience out there um, that is, is larger than, than the word um, that, that would Except this movie, that would go to see it in a movie theater. Um, I think, you know, while we're talking about, you know, people not having the attention span for it, there, there are also some some really epically long movies that have been made in the past decade. Uh, the Lord of the Rings movies uh, comes right. to mind, some of the Harry Potter films, uh, even even some of the Marvel movies. Have been really long. Um, it, it's uh, it, it would be a movie that that I would I would like to have an intermission in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a you know a, you know we can go back to those days. I, I watched Lawrence of Arabia recently because you know I just got this new TV and I've been you know checking out the epic scenes from from some movies that I saw and and you know in, in the middle of watching that movie they they actually had intermission. And it, it is actually on there in the cut that you can watch on TV, you know, in a, a 15 minute intermission. Maybe something like that would be, you know, you could bring that back and, and boost some popcorn sales or something. But um, no, I, I do think that the movie could be made today. I'm not sure who would play the parts. Um, but it, 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 yeah, I think it could.
4: Yeah, in terms of, and not even so much like a like for like remake and, and, uh, and, and... I probably phrased the question poorly, but uh, you answered it exactly the way I wanted you to answer it. Uh, so it, it's not a knock on your answer in the least. Yeah. My asking of the question was not so much like if, you know, so who would play the roles or anything like that. But the type of movie, the story uh, yeah. just being able to resonate with modern audiences. I fully believe it can. Uh, we've seen this genre succeed so many times in different generations. It's not a, I don't believe this is a right. story that's stuck in its, it's time biblical. period. Exactly. It is cyclical. And I mean, you know, different parts of it could be updated, but I think this story could be told pretty much like for like. I did earlier say, save for some of the misogynism, save for some of the violent nature of the way these things are depicted. I'm going to throw a wrench into this now. Putting those back in, could this movie be made today?
5: Um, I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm really not sure. I, I, I really think the the lunatic fringe... Out there would have a lot of difficulty with it, but then again, I think the lunatic fringe would have a lot of uh, difficulty with most Mel Brooks movies being made today.
4: Yeah, I think so. I think, in a lot of ways, you look at some of the films that have been made that were made in the 70s, early 80s, uh, times where you know maybe the uh the collective consciousness didn't necessarily uh reflect. Society's views. I think there was more of a uh, satirical type, uh, you know, wand that they were able to utilize in those days uh, with movies that are made. I happen mm-hmm. to agree with you on that front. I think this movie, in terms of the story and in terms of the plot and in terms of the, the depth, could absolutely be made and succeed wildly today. But I think there would be a I, lot I of elements. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think there would be no, a lot I, of elements. If it was made a remake, like for like, exactly as you see it. Uh, If the movie had never been made before and just came out now in 2020, I I think there would be a lot of uh, a a lot of reticence uh, by a lot of different people to see it. And And I can understand that.
5: And these movies aren't made anymore. Um, And and, uh, what I mean is, a movie that spans this time frame doesn't happen anymore. on, on great regularity. I think that's what some of the, a lot of the problems people had with the, with the Irishman were right. it, it, now, nowadays it, it's not a lifetime um, that, that is chrono uh, is, is gone over in a film. Uh, a lot of movies in this genre now are more about a story, a heist, or a particular moment in time during, you know, um, of what's happening. It, it, it's it's not a lifetime uh, of um, events that that make up a film. It, it is one particular story. It, if they tried to do this now, some idiot would say, well, let, let's do it all about the. Um, we would see more of the backstory because it would all all be about the diamond heist. That they that they pulled off and when they killed Joe, Um, that's that's the story that would be told now. I but but I I do think that there is an audience. I don't think it's such a small audience that only guys like you and I would go to it. And of course, our listeners. Yes,
4: absolutely. I think again, I think you may hit the nail right on the head. I think that there is definitely an audience for this type of a story that has a lot of stories interwoven inside it, but yet not every detail has to be given. Not every um, aspect of it has to be told. You don't have to necessarily focus on one of these events in order to tell a good story. You can hit these, you can hit the high parts. Of these, but ultimately the story at the at the, um, at the at the helm of this is the growth of you know young hoodlums that essentially make the decision to delve into this life, and then mm-hmm. their desire to utilize that life to give themselves the lifestyle that they want. It's a little bit less about the aspiration to be legitimate, like we've seen several times in a lot of these films, and we've talked about this several times today already, but. I think in this uh, you know, part, it's something that I think a lot of generations, any generation can relate to is what you do in life can define you um, in a lot of ways. You may want it to define you into something greater than what you are, or you may want it to define you so that way you can enrich who you are. And I think this movie walks that fine line so carefully. And I think that's one of the reasons why it can resonate with today's audience. And it did, uh, you know, back in uh, in the day. We're uh, coming up probably on about 10 minutes left here on uh, during our time at the, uh, the Shape Ippie before they uh, turn the lights out on us and uh, Sonny comes in and says, <laughs> Now you can leave. But um, Murph, closing thoughts on this film. Uh, what was your lasting impressions uh, from the movie? Uh, parts that maybe, you know, characters or scenes that maybe we haven't discussed yet today. Um, what stuck with you in this watching, preparing for today uh, in terms of uh, uh, what your Memories are going to be of once upon a time in America.
5: Um, quite, quite honestly, was the the brutality of this movie will will stick with me probably forever. It, it mm. is the most brutal film that I've ever seen uh, in this genre, and that's saying a lot. This that's that's yep. coming from a guy who you know sits there and sits on the edge of his seat every time Sonny hits the causeway. Um, yep. it, it's 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 brutally honest it shows a a facet of uh america growing up that um we we don't really see in a lot of films because it goes from literally the the you know the, right at the turn of the century into the 1970s it tells that entire time span through the eyes of of you know, really one person and what happened around him, uh, it, it was, and, and of course, you know, the, the fan, we've talked about it before, the fantastic cinematography that, that went into this movie, the way it was shot, it was just completely beautiful through all the ugliness. It was a beautifully done movie.
4: It truly was. It really, and again, coming back to that point and uh, something that I had said earlier, you can take a still shot at any moment in this movie and it's a masterpiece. It might not be easy to look at. It might not be easy to view. It might be a very difficult, disgusting image, but there's art in it. And that is something that is not easy to do. The cinematography in this was great. In a lot of ways, my takeaways are pretty much the same as yours. My biggest takeaway from this film is that ambition is not universal. It's based on your individual view of what you think your life should be, how you believe that you're going to enrich your own life. And that's something you saw in each one of these characters. And it was different for all of them, but it was also the same for all of them. It was Mm -hmm. utilizing your lot in life to get what you want out of life. And that's essentially it. There was no apologies made by these characters. There was nope. no remorse from these characters. They were going to do whatever it was they needed to do to make sure that they achieved in life what they wanted. And that's very odd in this type of uh, of, of a genre. The Brutality shocked me uh, without any question. Uh, I had forgotten how brutal this movie was until you actually watch it. It surprises me that... How early this was made and how brutal it was in terms of the uh, types of movies that you see. But again, I think it told the story accurately. I think it had to be. Uh, the way it was. And I don't think I think if it wasn't, I don't think the story would have been the same. It had to, to depict a certain quality in all of these characters. And I think the brutality added to it. And while it may be difficult to watch. And again, folks, if you haven't seen it, and you are of the faint of heart, this may not be one that you want to check out. And it's not something that Murph and I say a lot here on Shea Bippy. Uh, We usually highly recommend you watching films and I do highly recommend you watching this one. This is a great one, but Mm -hmm. if you are the faint of heart, uh, this can cause, especially if you have any type of squeamishness and totally understandable when it comes to some of the violence uh, that you've seen and some of the, uh, the, the, the assaulting type, sexual assaulting type violence that's depicted in this film. Uh, If that in any way triggers either a memory or a feeling inside you, this could do that, so be careful. Uh, in one even thing, if you, you but, ever looked uh, at
5: one of your kids and said, "Did did he get switched at the at, uh, in the hospital? Is <laughs> is that my kid?" That'll even do it. <laughs> exactly, it's true.
4: It really, really is. And um, you know, ultimately, I think that's to me that 's that's the lasting memory of this is that uh ambition can be different in in everyone and uh that's that 's my takeaway from this film great take. i'm going leave you with a i 'm going to leave you with a tidbit my friend I always Thank do you. i always end on a i always end on a tidbit uh believe it or not uh, and i don 't think it 's much of a secret, but there was a lot of There was a lot of rumors going around at the time that a lot of the characters, primarily the Noodles character, but a lot of different characters were loosely based on the adventures of Meyer Lansky. Um, And because of that, Robert De Niro is a method actor, studied at the Actors Studio under Lee Strasberg. He believes in immersing himself into a character. And he tried Mm -hmm. to reach out to Lansky, who was in prison at the time, and he tried to, to ask him whether he wanted to sit down with him and discuss the character and discuss the role, uh, Lansky flat out refused to meet with him um, and said that uh, you know he wouldn't wow. give a reason, but that he would absolutely, under no circumstances, sit down with him to discuss anything related uh, to a film like that. And if you're looking for any type of validation about the realism in this film, I think that says all you need to, to know about it. Um, the fact that Lansky would not sit down with him, would not lend him any information or any type of insight, uh, to me, speaks volumes. And, um, you know, De Niro said to this day, he says, I, I don't take it personally, he says, but, uh, you know, he says that might have helped my portrayal a little bit more. But in a way, he also said maybe it was the best thing that ever happened because he didn't have Lansky's point of view in mind when he did this he really made it all about the noodles characters so it's funny how things can be a blessing and a curse at the same time could that have helped the plot line a little bit in terms of realism maybe but i agree with de niro i think that might have taken away a little bit and made it more about lansky than really what this novel what this movie was scheduled to be or supposed okay. to be i should say so yeah that's that's uh that's my uh, uh my last little tidbit on the film. Uh, and I hope if you, if you haven't known that, uh, that, uh, I did gives you not a little bit more insight. <laughs> and,
5: and I See, actually I always, have, yep. and I actually have one for you. And I was glad oh, that oh, you oh. didn't bring it up because I have nice. one for you. Now we all know that, that in, in the Godfather part three, we talked earlier about how people claim that, that Leone stole from, uh, from Coppola. And, uh, so in, in the Godfather part three, um, Francis Ford Coppola, uh I thought very well. I I know that I'm I'm almost alone in this. He he cast his daughter Sophia in it. Um in this movie, okay, uh uh Sergio Leone uh actually cast his daughter in in the movie. And <laughs> his daughter Francesca played a, a played a small part in this movie as um as a girlfriend. And so that, there was my tidbit for it. He played, she, she played David Bailey's girlfriend and was uncredited in the movie. But, you know, go ahead and check. There you go. There's there's my tidbit for Mike this week. Got and one. you
4: stumped me because that is one I did not know. And I usually do pretty good research. It's hard you to do. when it comes to these tidbits. But that was a great one. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it really uh, shows that uh, a lot of, uh, you know, directors did something very similar, uh, albeit I know the – be a couple of role was a much larger role that wasn't intended for her. I think a lot of people need to, uh, to remember that. Uh, that role was actually supposed to be Winona on a but when we chronicle yep. that movie, we'll get into that a little bit more. But that's a great tidbit about his daughter Francesca. Oh, and thank I think you. that, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go back and check that out before this disappears from, uh, uh, from the. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the the, the uh, I almost said the locked on realm. You can, you can hear where, I, where my head is right now, folks. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, in the, uh, the on-demand uh, uh, realm for, uh, for TCM, I go. might have to go back and check that out a little bit. See, Murph leaves us on a note where it leaves you wanting more and it leaves you wanting to go back and check things out. So,
5: <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad I got yeah. that, you know poke you poke you right in the rib there where where you know you'll have to go back and see it again, but no uh even even with the problems that i that I had with this movie on a personal note, it is still a fantastic film that um I would recommend for anybody who has a a lot of time on their hands uh, a good pop- air air popcorn maker and uh and maybe somebody that that enjoys these kind of movies and you can sit down with on the couch on a snowy day and just. Check it out because, uh, believe me, it's it's a lot better than a lot of the stuff that your wife is going to pull up on demand and make you watch for the next 12 hours.
4: And on that note, my friends. No, just kidding. Uh, I no, really, no, no,
5: no.
0: Yeah. Uh,
4: I, I definitely, uh, you know, recommend watching the uh, the film. Hopefully, our discussion today is maybe wet your appetite a little bit to go back and to watch it. I know this was a little bit of a different approach than we usually take with movies like this, but given the length and given the intercuts and a lot of the difficulties that we've had, this could have ended up being about a four hour podcast, and we probably still wouldn't have even scratched the surface. I right. think we hit the highlights for you, and uh, please, by all means feel free to reach out to myself at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Reach out to Murph at Team Murph 207. We love to hear your feedback. We love to hear what we're doing well, what we could possibly do better here on Shape Happy. This is a labor of love for the both of us. We both love these types of movies. We've said it several times. To me, there's nothing greater than being able to share the microphone with Murph and discuss these yep. films. Uh, we always have a blast. Uh, we hope that you do as well. Murph, I, I can't thank you enough, buddy. Uh, thank you for uh, uh for joining me today here at the bar and uh, neither can I reopening we... reopening wow. the Bippy in twenty twenty. It's it's uh, great it. stuff. And uh we'll uh we'll definitely be back on more of a regular schedule now, folks. The holidays mm-hmm. can really kind of poke holes in a lot of what's going on. Yeah. Uh there's uh you know, been some personal stuff going on with uh with me, all is well now, but uh there's you know, been some scheduling snafus that we've had to deal with as well.
5: So it, I thank this sides. man
4: for his patience. Absolutely. I thank him no, no, for no, no, uh, no. uh for sticking with me. I will me sit and at and the end of the there.
5: bar and, and sip this good scotch until you walk through the door, my friend. And um you know, we will be back. And if folks, if you have anything that uh, we haven't covered in the past, that, that you would like to see us uh, take a dive into, please, by all means, um, we are open to suggestions.
4: Absolutely, and something that we've alluded to several times here on the Shea Bippy uh, Pod is opening up the Bippy mailbag, and you know what, I think it may be time to do that. So, yeah. you know what, we'll start opening up the Shea Bippy mailbag, and uh, let us know your, your questions, your concerns, uh, some of your favorite in uh, mob movies, some of your favorite mob movies, and we will be happy to chronicle those questions. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them, and uh, do your best to stump uh, Murph and myself. So uh, not an easy task, but uh, it can be done, folks. So if you think you've got what it Usually takes... Usually more me than Mike, words, no. but
5: yeah, go ahead. <laughs> 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 well,
4: no, you, you do a lot th- easier. You want to
5: stump somebody. Well, stump me, not Mike.
4: Well, you stumped me Mm -hmm. today, my friend. So you know what? You're right in there uh, uh, with me, and we will be sure to tackle those. But uh, for my great friend, Thomas Murphy, I am Mike DeBate. We thank you for joining us today on this episode of Shea Bippy Mob Bar, the podcast you can't refuse. Sonny has turned the lights on, the door is open, and he's just told us that now we can leave. So enjoy the day. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to joining you the next time.